What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I'm your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back with the 59th episode of the podcast. This week, we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC on ESPN Plus 9 card going down this weekend in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, headlined by Ally Quinza versus Donald Cerrone. Towards the end of the program, we will also be recapping the UFC Sunrise event that happened this past weekend. But starting things off, we will be breaking down all 12 of the UFC fights going down this weekend. The prelims for this event start on ESPN Plus at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the main card kicking off at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. So we will be diving right into the action this week. we got a lot of close matchups, four fights that are standing at a near pick'em right now in the odds. So we got a lot of close matchups. And we're going to be starting things off in the Bantamweight division. We have Mitch Gagnon, who is 12-4, taking on Cole Smith, who is 6-0. The opening betting line for this one was Mitch Gagnon, the minus 140 favorite to Cole Smith at plus 100. Right now over on our affiliated sportsbook, 5dimes.eu, we see Mitch Gagnon, the slight favorite at minus 115 to Cole Smith at minus 105. So there's two-way action coming in on this fight. A little more action on Cole Smith's way. Um, as the underdog, you know, it's it's understandable that people are, are, are laying that chalk on Cole Smith considering that Mitch Gagnon has not fought uh, in over two and a half years. His last fight was in December of 2016. And before that, his last bout was in 2014. So he's only had one fight in four and a half years. So that's a lot of the reasoning why I think people are betting against Gagnon in this spot. But if you're looking at the who's the better fighter, I think it's pretty clearly Mitch Gagnon. You know, he has the more experience experience he's fought the better competition Cole Smith you know he's 6-0 and he looks he looks like a decent fighter but it's just hard to tell uh, a lot about him there's just not very much footage about him at all uh, I scoured the internet for him and you know with the Newsom MMA tape index I think they only had about three fights from Cole Smith uh, listed on the on their uh, website so it's 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 hard to get a good feel of where Cole Smith's skills are fully at um, we he did go the five round distance with Carlos Galvan which was is one of his fights on YouTube a hilarious fight to watch where Carlos Galvan's teammates are filming the entire fight through their TV and complaining about how their uh, coach or friend is losing the fight the entire time. But uh, Cole Smith has not really fought too good competition. His best win is over an opponent, Tyler Wilson, who's 5-1. and one. Um, Even with Mitch Gagnon's long layoff, I still think he will be um, the better fighter uh, in, this, in this spot. It's just trust... T- tough to trust either one of these guys um you know the the long laugh for gagnon and the debuting fighter in smith um you know i i really have not seen much skills from smith that i think that i feel confident in picking him um you know he's really trying to clinch uh against the cage in this uh fight get takedowns look for uh back control but he did not show too much urgency he did not look for a finish he did not look for much ground and pound in the fight that i watched against galvan and, um, you know, Gagnon was taken down a few times by Matthew Lopez in their fight. Um, he actually rocked uh, Matthew Lopez pretty pretty hard in the first round of their fight with a left hook, but could not finish Lopez and end up losing rounds two and three in the grappling uh, realm of things by Matthew Lopez. So Smith's definitely going to try to replicate that same game, game plan that Matthew Lopez did, withstand the early storm from Gagnon and try to outgrapple him in the later rounds. 
But uh, honestly, I think that Gagnon has has better chance of winning this fight. So I slightly lean with Gagnon, and I'm gonna go with uh, picking him by decision. Next fight in the heavyweight division, we have Arjun Singh Bueller, who is eight and one, taking on Juan Adams, who is five and zero. Oh. The opening betting line for this one was Arjun Bueller as the minus 110 slight underdog to Juan Adams as the minus 130 slight favorite right now over on 5dimes.ubc. Um, Juan Adams is slight favorite at minus 115 to Bueller slight dog at minus 105. So another near pick em, uh, like the first fight. We are dealing with two uh, wrestle boxers at heavyweight in this one. Both guys, I'd say they're, uh, they're the best thing they do is box, and the second best thing they do is wrestle. So I think that we're kind of looking at a, a bit of a mirror match in this one. Uh, I think that um, Juan Adams has actually the, the better boxing of the two. I think he uh, he looked better against uh, Chris De La Rocha in, in his most recent fight. He uh, was lighting him up with punches on the feet. He uh, was able to get a body lock trip takedown and, uh, you know, have some good top pressure, good ground and pound, and eventually uh, get De La Rocha out of there. I think the third round of their fight. Bueller's last fight was also a, a good one. He um, withstood some early adversity from Marcelo Golm, was getting his leg kicked pretty bad in that one. His calf was starting to shut down in the first round of their fight, but he just kept marching through the calf kick and started throwing punches, and it actually uh, ended up working for him. He ended up you know, starting to get the better of that fight by just marching forward through the leg kicks and landing the harder punches on Marcelo Gomes in that fight. And he actually did uh, get the, the takedown in the third round after a pretty grueling type of fight, and he won the third round with his uh, takedowns and top control so he's got some pretty uh, decent cardio for a, a big guy a bueller he's you know kind of a a, a fat heavyweight he did get stuck uh, on the ground one time pretty recently in his most recent loss against adam wachorchek where he got uh, omoplasted on the ground so um i think that juan adams is slightly better on the feet i think he's like the more athletic heavyweight i think that he will be able to uh withstand or excuse me um defend any takedown attempts from arjun bueller in this one i think he'll be able to keep it standing on the feet he might even ha hit an offensive takedown of his own and then i think that juan adams will win this fight via decision next fight is in the featherweight division we have kyle nelson who is 12 and 2 taking on matt sales who is 7 and 2 the opening betting line for this one was Matt Sales as the minus 135 favorite to Kyle Nelson as the minus 105 underdog. Right now, we are seeing Matt Sales minus 225 to Kyle Nelson at plus 185. So a lot more action coming in on Matt Sales' way in this one. I'm going to disagree with the line movement. I actually think that there's the, the value has now shifted to Kyle Nelson at plus 185 in this one. Now, Kyle Nelson in his uh, UFC debut last fight, he did uh, get stopped in the second round versus Carlos Diego Ferreira. But that was a very short notice fight. Uh, Ferreira's opponent fell out on uh, on very short notice in Canada, so Nelson got the call up to the UFC, up a weight class. He has fought at 55 before, but uh, 145 seems to me is much better weight class. Uh, he actually uh, started pretty fast against uh, Diego Ferreira, and you know hurt him with a couple punches and uh, a nice kick that looked like it rocked Ferreira. But Ferreira was able to uh, withstand that early storm. Um, 
he uh, took down Nelson in the first round and uh, eventually did the same thing in the second round and uh, pounded him out for a ground and pound finish in the second round. So he uh, he definitely um, started a little fast. He got a little overzealous when he hurt uh, CDF in that fight, and he uh, you know just didn't pick his shots well enough to get the the early finish. But uh, I think that was a little bit of octagon jitters. You know he got that short notice fight. He was very emotional coming into that uh, that fight. And it, it definitely showed, and it looked like he had a little bit of an adrenaline dump. It looked like he was a little undersized versus Diego Ferreira, and I think this matchup at 145 is going to be a lot better for him. But he's taken on a very solid opponent, Matt Sales. Uh, Matt Sales uh, did lose his last fight against Shaman Marias, but it was a very competitive bout. He a uh, 29-28 decision for Shaman. Shaman won the first two rounds, but Matt Sales uh, took over in the third round, was looking like the fresher fighter. Um, that was his UFC debut in that one. He came off a very nice finish over Yazan Haja on the uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series last year. Uh, you know, he uh, he ran through Haja in that one. Had some real powerful hands in that one. Didn't really see too much of that power against Shaman Marias, though. Looked like he was throwing a lot more activity uh, punches, you know, just kind of throwing a more consistent volume out there instead of looking to sit down on a shot and hurt his opponent while Shaman was throwing with some serious power. So I think... I think that's why the first two rounds went to Shaman in that fight is he was just throwing a little with a little more ill intent throwing harder even though sales was light on his feet and he was in and out using his movements um, he uh, he just didn't land those uh, effective shots in, in the first two rounds to get that decision. Now, if you listen to the commentary on that fight, Rogan is like blowing his load uh, at, at Matt Sales, even though he's losing the fight. He's like, man, I'm really impressed with Matt Sales' cardio right now. What if this fight was five rounds? Matt Sales might take over. All right, well, that's a completely unrealistic scenario for a debuting fighter to imagine that this fight is five rounds. Um, you know, maybe in a couple years he'll fight in five rounds, but um, you know he didn't. He started slow in that first fight and he lost. So no, no matter how how much you try to spin it, that he looked good in that third round, he did not um, show up in the first two rounds. Uh, and you know uh, another another weakness I noticed from Matt Sales is that he was uh, he was taken down and almost got choked out um, by uh, an opponent. Um, Hickman was his last name. Let me figure out the gentleman's first name. George Hickman, uh, back in 2016, his uh, his only loss outside of the UFC, Matt Sales, it was a split decision loss. It, it was a close, a very close fight. Um, he, uh, but in the first round, uh, Hickman was able to take him down uh, and uh, take his back and almost uh, rear naked choke uh, Sales in that one. But Sales had some good defense. Uh, he he got uh, he was able to defend the takedowns for the rest of the fight. You know, and make those last two rounds competitive. But he definitely got um, you know caught a little off guard. With the takedown in that fight and, and if you're look if you're um kyle nelson and he, you have two losses to look at for matt sales and you saw that one of them his opponent had some success with grappling i gotta think that kyle nelson's gonna try to um use his grappling as well and he does have the ability to hit offensive takedowns to stay in top position and to land some good ground and pound uh you know we've seen that in his uh his uh, regional fights uh, against uh, Rizazi, uh, against uh, Kama Worthy, you know those are uh, both uh, somewhat decent opponents that he he went through with uh, with relative ease. So, um, you know where the opening line was at, I would say it's more uh, it was more of a, a value situation on Matt Sales. But where it's at now, plus one eighty five, I think I think people are counting Nelson out a little bit too much based on his last performance. I think that uh, Kyle Nelson uh, has a good chance at hitting his takedowns in this fight, um, making it a grindy type. Of 
fighting winning the decision 29-28. So the pick is going to be the underdog Kyle Nelson. Next fight in the welterweight division, we got Nordin Taleb, who is 14-6, taking on Kyle Prepolik, who is 12-5. The opening betting line for this one, surprisingly, was Prepolik, the minus 135 favorite, to Taleb at minus 105 right now. Over on five dimes, Taleb sits at minus 345 to Prepolik at plus 285. So uh, a ridiculous amount of action coming in on Nordin Taleb in this spot. And I really don't blame people. Uh, whoever opened this line was, you know, I must have been a little bit drunk. Honestly, Nordin Taleb, I think, opened up as an underdog versus C.R. Badarazara as well. So whoever, I think the odds makers just not really giving Nordin Taleb too much credit. And I can see why, you know, he has had his, his fair share of struggles lately. He has had some pretty bad losses. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I can see why uh, you would open him as a, as a slight. I, I w Actually, I couldn't see why you'd under open him as a slight underdog to Kyle Preplik in this fight. Maybe a slight favorite, but like, you know, an underdog to Preplik who's making his UFC debut on short notice, up a weight class. I think that you you really can't open uh, Preplik as a favorite in this spot under any circumstances. And where the line is at now proves that. So, um, you know, Preplik has, he his past three fights have been at 160 pounds, 165 pounds, and 155 pounds. So he is kind of in that middle weight class between 55 and 70, but this will be his first fight at 70, uh, to my knowledge. He has uh, some pretty solid stand-up. He, he likes throwing head kicks, uh, and he also has some pretty solid boxing. He was able to, um, you know, defend the takedowns of Cody Fister uh, well, the really desperate takedowns of Cody Fister. Um, you know, that is probably his most uh, well-recognized opponent uh, in, in his last fight. I believe... Um, in that fight, Preplik was supposed to fight a different opponent, a five-round fight, uh, and then his opponent fell out short notice, and, they, and uh, Cody Fister came in and saved the day. Now, for how desperate Cody Fister was in that fight, uh, Preplik's performance was actually a little bit worrisome. You know, he he was not able to finish Fister. Fister looked, you know, real desperate. He was actually, you know, taken down a couple times and had his back taken by Cody Fister uh, in round two of that fight. So that's that's a very worrisome sign against Pre uh, for Prepolik. Um, and he was actually being outstruck uh, by his opponent, um, Scott Hudson, in their fight before uh, he was able to reverse things around in round two, uh, get the takedown. Um, actually, he hurt his opponent in that one, uh, ended up on top and finished him with some ground and pound Um uh, TKO victory. That's a pretty cool fight to watch on YouTube. Scott Hudson versus Kyle Prepolik. It's a really cool angle of the guy like shooting the fight uh, next to the cage. Um, uh, he was taken down by uh, Troy Lampson though in his uh, his most recent loss. Um, that was in 2017. He he showed a little bit of weakness on the ground there. He did not he could not get off his back for the entirety of the round, and all three rounds went the same way, where he was just taken down and he could not get up. And that's the way Troy Lampson beat him uh, easily. But the thing is, Taleb is not going to implement that type of game plan. He is not a striker at all. Um, you know, I'd say that Prepolik, he's I'd say he's close to UFC ready. You know, I I think that the 55 weight class would suit him better. I think that you know his ground game is a little bit of a weakness. Um, but his, his stand-up is, is, is pretty solid, and it looks like he's improving his ground game as well. It looked improved versus uh, Fister. 
but Taleb is going to look to take him out on the feet. Taleb is definitely a striker. He actually is a pretty poor grappler of his own right. You you saw that on full display in the Claudio Silva fight. You know he was he had he was beating up Claudio Silva on the feet pretty bad, but he was uh, taken down off a leg kick. He could not get up uh, off his back. He actually tried a uh, leg locking um, Claudio Silva in that fight, and that actually really made him pay. He ended up on bottom, and he ended up getting choked out by Claudio Silva, despite it looking like he, he, he was winning that fight easily. And that was a fight where he was a 4-1 to underdog in, you know. That was a fight where Silva was, you know, plus 310 or something like that before the fight. And so it's a kind of similar situation where people are just giving Nordim Taleb way too much credit on the books. But I do think Taleb should win this fight in the striking exchanges. He is the better striker. He will be much bigger in there. Uh, he's got, he'll definitely have some size on Prepolik. Taleb's got, you know, good leg kicks. I think he has good striking defense as well. But, you know, in that fight against Sean Strickland, he was showing good defense. He was winning the fight. Strickland was having trouble landing. And then all of a sudden, Strickland caught that jaw of uh, Taleb and dropped him and finished him with some ground and pound in that fight. So Sean Strickland is not really known as the heaviest of puncher, and when you're getting dropped by Sean Strickland, it's definitely not a good sign. So that's definitely what uh, went into the odds makers thinking when he opened Preplik as a slight favorite. So when Nordin Taleb is fighting a point fighting style type of fight where he's taking his time and picking his shots, I don't think he's as effective. I think he's more effective when he has short uh, outbursts of offense like he did versus Danny Roberts when he hit him with that big head kick and that punch combination that knocked him out. Um, you know, he knocked out Eric Silva. You know, when the dude is, is throwing power, he's most effective. So if... Uh, if Nordin Taleb comes out in this fight and tries to get Prepolik out of there in round one with some heavy stand-up strikes, I think he will do it. But if he tries to fight smart, he gives his opponent too much respect. He's just asking to get caught again, like he did versus Strickland. He was doing everything right versus Strickland, and then Strickland just hit him with a, you know, an unorthodox punch, and it dropped. It didn't look like even like too hard of a shot. It just it just caught Taleb on the jaw, and it dropped him and finished him. So. Uh, the, if the, the the best pass to victory is Taleb uh, knocking him out in the first round, the later this fight goes, I actually think Preplik has a good chance of catching the chin or taking over rounds two and three. But I'm going to side with the, the favorite in Taleb. I think he should get Preplik out of there via first round knockout. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We got Vince Morales, who is 8-3, taking on Alamin Zahabi, who is 7-1. The opening betting line for this one was Zahabi, the minus 215 favorite to Morales as the plus 165 underdog. Right now, over on five dimes, we see Zahabi minus 150 to Morales at plus 130. So um, more action coming in on Vince Morales' way. And this is a very close type of fight. Um, Another type of fight where I think these guys are uh, very similar fighters to one another. They're both, uh, I'd say, boxing-heavy fighters. They they both don't use too much movement. They like standing in front of one another sta or standing their ground, um, you know, not using too much uh, wasted energy and movement by bouncing around the cage. They like that, you know, kind of like a Muay Thai stance where they're, you know, just kind of marching in front of each other. Um, but, you know, that leaves both fighters uh, open to leg kicks, and that's what... Um, uh, Ricardo Hamos did versus uh, Zahabi in his last fight. Zahabi um, was uh, looking good in that fight. He started off slow versus Hamos. Looked like he was taking over in round two, landing the better, the better boxing, uh, and uh, landing the more, better, cleaner, harder strikes in that fight. He's got a real nice jab and an uppercut. 
Um, those are his fa favorite punches. But then he got caught with that spinning back elbow versus Ricardo Hamos, and it just put him out cold. You know, I believe it broke his jaw and, you know, set him out for the past 18 months. I think Zahabi will have the better ground game of the two in this matchup. He is a, a brown belt uh, of a tri-star gym with his brother, uh, Frost Zahabi. He, uh, you know, had some, some good uh, success in his fight versus Vieira, where he uh, was able to defend takedowns in that fight and avoid the, the dangerous grappling of the Brazilian in that fight. And win that fight with uh, mostly his uh, his striking. He actually had some pretty good output and uh, pace in round three of that fight. He, he closed that fight strong, so he's definitely got the cardio to go go the full three rounds. Um, you know, so did so did Vince Morales though. He's um, he he came on very strong in round three versus Song and Dong in his mo in his most recent fight. Um, Morales also has, you know, very solid boxing. He's got, you know, some real power in his right hand, but I don't think his defense is too, uh, too good. He was, uh, dropped by his opponent, uh, Hempelman in, uh, one of his, uh, what, let's see, did he lose that fight? No, he came back and won that fight. Um, but that fight was only a year ago. Um, yeah, so, and then his fight with Domingo Pilarte on the Tuesday Night Contender Series. Man, what a crazy fight that was. A back-and-forth striking battle where they were both rocking each other and dropping each other in the first round. And uh, he was, he all... And uh, Morales almost finished Pilarte, but Pilarte was able to, you know, clinch up and get get the takedown. And uh, eventually was uh, was finished by, uh, was, uh, and finished by Domingo Pilarte via rear naked choke in round two of that fight. It was just, you know, it's just a crazy battle, though. Um, but luckily, he uh, bounced back with a quick win uh, in Bellator, and then he got the call to come back to the UFC to fight Song Yidong in China. Now, uh, he did uh, lose the first two rounds of that fight. Uh, I believe he, like I said, he did come on strong and win the third round versus Yidong, but he just started a little slow, didn't really have too many offensive tools, and really struggled with the, the offense of Song Yidong. So, this is a really close fight. I can see it being uh, a, a split decision type of fight where, you know, both guys are landing clean the entire fight, and it, it comes down to, um, you know, scoring the rounds uh, subjectively. Or I could see one guy, you know, catching the chin of the other early in that fight with, you know, their, their, their stances when they're standing in front of each other. They could just uh, tuck their chins and decide to trade in the pocket if they so chooses. But if this fight does go the distance, I think that I lean Zahabi's way. I think he has the more effective boxing, and I think he has the better ground game to, to fall back on in case he wants to mix this fight up with the ground game. So... Uh, even though Zahabi's coming off that year and a half layoff, I think he will win this fight. In the betting window, I'd say the uh, there is value on Morales at that plus 165. Right now, I'd say it's a, the line is about uh, uh, accurate where it sits at right now. But uh, the pick is going to be Zahabi, but this one should be a good fight. The next fight is taking place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Sarah Maras, who is 5-4, taking on Macy Chasson, who is 4-0. The opening betting line for this one was Chess and the minus 300 favorite to Sarah Maras, the plus 220 underdog. Right now, over on five dimes, we are seeing Macy Chess and minus 800, the biggest favorite on the card by far, to Sarah Maras at plus 550. Now, uh, you know. Massive amount of action coming in on Chasson in this one. You know, no no surprise there. She's looked great in her fight so far. She ran through everybody on the Ultimate Fighter. She made her uh, UFC debut. Uh, well, I guess she won the her UFC or the Ultimate Fighter for her debut, but she made her uh, pay-per-view debut. Let's say um, 
uh, or regular car debut versus Gina Manze only a few months ago um, on March 2nd, and she just ran through Gina Manze in that fight. She uh, Chesson does have uh, you know excellent ground game, good top pressure, good submissions, and, you know good good takedowns and ground to pound, uh, really strong in the clinch. But her striking is also really good too. She's she throws with power. She throws she you know wings punches. It's a little reckless, you know, but it's not like she's fighting uh, some you know wicked counter punchers at women's 135 that are gonna uh take advantage of her reckless striking you know most of the women are just gonna show up when they see those big powerful shots coming to them like manze did and i think that that's how this fight ends you know Morass has looked pretty pretty average so far in the ufc you know she did pull off that that uh, arm bar victory against uh, ashley evan smith uh for her one of her only wins um you know she had a tough fight against jessica andrade she uh, lost a fight to lucia pudilova and lost to talita bernardo all by unanimous decision so she's really struggled with uh you know pressure fighters with uh takedowns i don't think she has much offense on the feet um, you know, she's definitely the, the biggest threat off of her back. She's got good flexibility. She can throw up submissions off her back very well. She actually was throwing up submissions versus Pudilova, even though she was getting beaten up bad in that fight. Pudilova was hitting her with punches, lighting her up on the feet, dropping her, hitting her with ground and pound on, on the floor. But you know, Moras was still was still tough, looking for uh, submissions. And uh, she can hit. She can hit her own offensive takedown if she so chooses. You know, she did uh, end round three of that fight versus Pudilova on top, getting her own takedown. So you know, she, like I said, that just is a testament to her toughness, her cardio. She can. Uh, she's not going to give up, even though she's getting beat up for most of the fight. She'll still be fighting to the last bell. Um, but you know, Bernardo was able to take her down. She got that body lock takedown on her. Uh, and was able to win the fight in top position. Morass was not able to get any submissions going in that fight. So Chasson can really win this fight on, on the ground or on the feet. If I were her, I would take less uh, of, a, of a, a risk and just keep this fight on the feet where I think that Chasson has an even bigger advantage. You know, I think Chasson, if she chose so chooses can hit takedowns and up uh, uh, keep top position and possibly ground and pound or submit Moras or win a decision on top but i think that she can just knock her out on the feet and that would be the the least path of resistance for a uh, chasen so i'm going to pick uh, the minus 800 favorites are roll in this fight so we are moving on to the main card of the evening the first fight is in the middleweight division we got andrew sanchez who is 10 and 4 taking on mark andre bayut who is 11 and 1 the opening betting line for this one was bayut the minus 155 favorite to sanchez plus 115 right now over on five dimes the line has flipped we're now seeing sanchez minus 165 to bayut plus 145 so i'm gonna agree with, with the odds maker in this one i think that bayut uh, should be the favorite in this fight. You know, I wouldn't say that I, that he should be the favorite because I understand why the 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 action is coming on coming in on the UFC veteran in Sanchez. I just think that Bayut is going to win this fight. So I think he has the the better well-rounded MMA game. I think he has the better cardio. Uh, you know, he has been scheduled to fight 25 minutes in his last four fights. He did go the full 25 minutes two times with his opponents uh, Stout and Gavrilovic. Uh, and he also finished his opponents Kornberger and Hunter. And his opponent Adam Hunter it was the light heavyweight champion at his promotion TKO up in Canada. So Bayut moved up in weight. 
He uh, withstood the early onslaught of offense from Hunter in that one. He was able to take him down, was able to get mount, and was able to ground and pound uh, finish him uh, to win that his second belt as he, uh, at, over in the TKO promotion in Canada. You know, that's a big promotion up there. They got really solid competition, and Bayut's been really building a name up for himself up there. He's he's 5-0 in the promotion. He's he's He fought a TKO 38, 39, 40, 41, 43, and 44. So, He's building a huge fan base up there. I expect the the crowd to be behind uh, Bayut in this one a lot. I think that he has really good takedown defense as well. You know, in his fight against Gavrilovic, uh, Gavrilovic was just relentless with the takedown in that fight, and Bayut showed really good defense. He showed uh, you know good takedown defense. There was a couple moments where Bayut had him up in the air and was going for a slam, but Bayut was able to get his legs out from underneath him and uh, you know stay up on his feet. And I think that he has shown some pretty solid uh, striking as well. You know, he uh, he knocked out his opponent, Kornberger. I'd say that, I'd honestly say that Sanchez probably has the more effective striking, even though Sanchez is uh, mostly a wrestler, uh, has a, a college wrestling background. I think that he's actually adapted his striking pretty well to MMA. He definitely, his bread and butter is definitely, you know, uh, clinching against the cage, trying to get the takedown. Um, but, you know, he, he does have some good power. He, he does have, you know, good pressure, solid defense. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's good at capitalizing on mistakes for his opponents. You know, if you overextend yourself on a, a punch, he will get that body lock on you. Or if you throw a sloppy kick, he will get in on you. Or you throw a spinning technique, he will close that distance before you get the, the chance to turn around. So he's very good in that uh, aspect. He's very opportunistic. You know, in his fight against Ryan James, he, he was throwing bombs in that fight. He had James, you know, Ryan James ate so many fucking punches in that fight. It's, it's a miracle that he won that fight. But, you know, Sanchez gassed himself out. He he gassed hard in that fight and was able, eventually finished in, in round three of that fight. Uh, you know, Sanchez did bounce back in his most recent fight against Marcus Perez where he went the full 15 minutes. He showed good cardio. He had, you know, some solid output in round three, one round three of that fight. So he looked like his, you know, cardio and his pace issues uh, have had a slight improvement. But with that being said, I still think that Bayut has the better cardio. He's he's been training for those 25 minutes with you know bigger guys. He's gone the full 25 minutes with you know really physically imposing fights where they're grinding, clinchy type of fights, defending takedowns. So I think he's Bayut's really had all the experience he needs for this matchup with Sanchez. I think that Bayut will be able to stuff the takedowns attempts of uh, Sanchez. Uh, I don't think he'll really look for his own takedown defense, even though he can, you know, hit his own offensive takedowns. Um, but I think that uh, Bayu will defend the takedowns of Sanchez. I think that the, it'll be close on the feet in this one, but I think that Bayu will just be landing the better shots. And, you know, if Sanchez isn't able to get the wrestling going, which I don't think he is, I wouldn't be comfortable laying that minus 165 chalk on him. I'd actually be way more comfortable betting on Bayu as the dog in this one. So I haven't bet on Bayu yet. I'm a little bit worried that his striking won't be enough to overcome Sanchez. You know, I think that Sanchez could possibly outstrike Bayu in this matchup. And of course, Sanchez could could take Bayut down. You know, um, Sanchez has very good takedowns, relentless wrestling, and relentless uh, you know clinching against the cage and pressure. So he could wear on Bayut in this one. So it's a close type of fight, and I I definitely cap it uh, more close to where it, uh, the odds maker opened it. I'm more like an evens type of fight, 50-50. So at plus one forty five, I'd say the value is on Bayut. So I'm gonna pick him to win this matchup. 
the next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Walt Harris, who is 12 and 7, taking on Sergey Spivak, who is 9 and 0. The opening betting line for this one was Walt Harris, the minus 155 favorite to Spivak at plus 115. Right now, we are seeing Harris minus 165 to Spivak at plus 145. So more action coming in on Walt Harris's way. Uh, I don't disagree with the public in this one. You know, Walt Harris is that UFC-tested guy. He's had, you know, 10 fights in the UFC. He's fought stiff competition. He's actually, you know, pretty consistently picked up wins over that lower to mid-level competition of UFC heavyweights. I'd say his best win definitely came in this last fight against Andre Arlovsky. Winning that fight via decision, he showed, you know, uh, patience and he showed, you know, some good accuracy. Um, you know, it was a little bit low activity in that one, but all of, all of uh, Arlovsky's fights are like that nowadays. So the fact that Harris was able to pull off that decision win is definitely a feather in his cap. But um, in this, uh, his opponent in this one, Spivyak, making his UFC debut in this one. Spivyak's a small heavyweight. You know, he weighed in, I think, at 100 kilos, which is, I believe, 222 pounds around there, which is, you know, not very heavy for a heavyweight at all. Harris is a, a thick heavyweight. He probably cuts to 265, honestly. And, you know, Spivyak, he's just not looked too, you know, nothing blowing out of the water, you know. He's got a good array of offense. He he uses all eight limbs, his punches, knees, elbows, and kicks. He, uh, you know, can hit his own takedowns. He looks like he's got a good submission base. Um, but, you know, he, his level of competition is bad. It's, it's low-level guys. It's older journeymen who have had 100 fights in MMA. He fought one guy who had this like 300 fights in MMA or something like that. Travis Fulton, 255 wins, 52 losses and 10 draws. So, you know, he's you know, and Tony Lopez, 44-year-old, 61 and 28 fighter. That was his last win, you know. So, he's looked decent beating these guys up, but you know, there's a lot of uh, light heavyweights, a lot of heavyweights that could go in there and look just as decent in that one. So Spivyak has really not shown me anything um, that, that, that leads to believe that he's a UFC uh, worthy in this one. Uh, I think that H Harris will be able to win this fight wherever it goes. I think that Harris has looked better on the ground. He, you know, against Mark Godbeer, he had a single leg. He had a tight side control. He got mount. He was able, uh, eventually, you know, Godbeer got back to guard, but Harris was hitting him with some big ground and pound against the cage. I think that uh, you know Harris's size uh, difference in this fight will actually lead him to maybe uh, execute a wrestling game plan. When he's going to have 30, 40 pounds on Spivyak in this fight, that 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 uh, you know temptation to hit the takedown and get on top and just land blows from inside closed guard is going to be uh, hard to resist for Walt Harris. Even though he has, you know, I'd say stand-up is where he's more comfortable. He's got good kicks. He's got some power in his left hand. You know, he floored uh, Spitz in that last fight with his left hand and eventually finished him with some ground and pound on the second round of that fight. Uh, you know, I think Harris is just a, an improving heavyweight. You know, he's been kind of a, a lower-level guy in the UFC for the past couple years, but he's made some pretty big strides in his past couple fights. So I think he will have all the tools necessary to beat Spivyak in this fight. And I think that, honestly, at minus 165, there's a, a good amount of value on Walt Harris in this fight. So I'm picking Walt Harris to get this one done, probably by finish uh, via ground-and-pound TKO in the second round. 
Next fight is in the Bantamweight division. We have Brad Katona, who is 8-0, taking on Marab Devishvili, who is 8-4. The opening betting line for this one was Marab Devishvili, the plus 170 underdog to Katona at minus 230. Uh, I, I knew he opened as an underdog, but I kind of forgot about it because since then the line has flipped. Devalishvili is minus 170 to Katona, plus 150. The motherfucker who opened Brad Katona at minus 230, man. I hope that's a line there. I really do hope that's a line there. I honestly don't really see how you could possibly open Brad Katona as a minus 230 uh, favorite. I got I got to hit up people on Twitter and the share dog forums to see if anybody's got a bet slip for Marab Devishvili at plus 170. So if you do, congratulations to you because I think this is a really favorable fight for Marab Devishvili, man. I, I love this dude. He's a, a peppy little spit fuck. I'll tell you that. He goes in there he bell to bell man this dude is putting pressure on you he's looking for the takedown he's got incredible wrestling man his takedowns are high level man against uh frankie signs and against uh ricky simone two high level wrestlers and grapplers in their own right he was able to out grapple those guys for the majority of their fight you know Devalishvili is not really a top control type of guy. He really likes the takedowns and just, you know, grinding on you, getting that body lock and just not letting go. He doesn't give a fuck if you get back to your feet because he'll drag you back down. He doesn't care if you'll Grammy roll out of the takedown because he'll get a hold of you. You know, it's a hard to shake the grip of Marab. And even though Katona is a pretty solid grappler, I just don't see him having what it takes to to uh, you know stop the the, the grappling of Devalishvili in this fight. And, and Devalishvili's only two losses in the UFC have been you know pretty mean losses if you want to think about it. You know he was winning the first two rounds versus Ricky Simone, and then we, you know we all know what happened in that fight. He was uh, he went for a takedown. He spiked his head against the canvas. He knocked himself out with 50, 50 seconds left in the fight. Simone uh, swept him over and got the guillotine, and then Devalishvili woke up while the guillotine was locked in. So he started pedaling his legs, pedaling his legs for you know close to 45 seconds, you know just trying to keep the blood circulating through his body so he wouldn't pass out. wasn't fighting the hands at all. Very untraditional defense. And then once the fight was over, he rolled over and, you know, he moved for he, the second the fight was over, he moved. He rolled over to his knees. He sat up. He took a couple deep breaths. And once the doctors got to him, he collapsed. And once he collapsed, the, the referee, an inexperienced referee from New Jersey, he thought that he was no longer able. I don't even know what he thought. He thought that he thought he was out, you know, but, you know, the fight was over. He rolled, Marab Devishvili rolled out off his back and got to his knees. He was not out at the 15 minute mark of that fight. He was not unconscious. He moved, he got up to his fight, he got up to his feet and you know, he was a pretty, he was pretty woozy. You know, a lot of fighters are woozy. A lot of fighters collapse due to exhaustion after their fight, but they were still conscious when that 15 uh, minute mark hit that fight. So that inexperienced ref gave the technical submission to Ricky Simone in that fight. You know, a pretty, uh, a pretty uh, infamous moment in, in MMA in the past couple years. Definitely one of the weirder moments. So that was his one loss. And the other loss to Frankie Sainz was a split decision loss where he landed 11 takedowns in that fight. And, you know, just goes to show he does not... 
He does not give uh, a fuck about top control. He's just trying to rip you down. He doesn't care if you get back to your field. He'll rip you back down. And that's what Frankie Sainz did in that fight. But um, even though Katona, um, you know, and one more thing about Devalishvili is that he has pretty solid boxing. He throws a lot of spinning attacks, a lot of, you know, bullshit attempts that he, I really wish he wouldn't do. But behind all that, he's got good fundamentals. He's got good boxing. Uh, he's got power in his right hand. He's got a really nice head kick. And I think that if he stuck to the fundamentals more instead of throwing those spinning attacks so much, I think he'd be a lot more effective in his striking. Now, I do think Katona um, will be if uh, will be very competitive in the striking if this fight stays on the feet. You know, I think he's got very solid boxing. I think he had a competitive fight with Matthew Lopez. Matthew Lopez not the best of strikers. I think Lopez was actually getting the better of Katona in that fight. Um, you know, he was taken down a few times by Matthew Lopez in that fight, and I think that's the deciding factor in this fight. If Matthew Lopez was able to take Katona down two or three times, then I think Devalishvili will be able to take him down eight or nine times. So uh, he likes, he's very active from the bottom. He throws elbows from the bottom. He, he's, uh, you know, aggressive in getting back to his feet. But uh, I just don't think that he will have the takedown defense. I don't think he will have the discipline to fight, uh, you know, a stand-up fight and avoid the takedown. And uh, it's a funny that he had a very, very similar, um, you know, end to his last fight as the Devalishvili controversy, where at the 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 tense, the at the very buzzer of that fight, he had a rear naked choke locked in on Lopez, and once the fight was over, he let go of the choke, and Lopez was out of it. You know, he was half conscious, he was kind of woozy, his eyes were all googly. And his corner was trying to tell him to get up. And then in that fight, the referee made the right decision. Lopez was moving enough and conscious enough after the bell to not be ruled a, uh, a submission in that one. And that ended up being a decision. So uh, even though Katona uh, was uh, outgrappled for the majority of that fight, I think he was on his way to winning a 29-28 decision regardless. Uh, I think that you know he was able to take uh, uh, make a... Uh, capitalize on a mistake of Devalishvili or excuse me of Lopez in that fight and almost choke him out uh, similar to how Devalishvili almost got choked out so you know Katona's not completely out of this fight he could show up and looked very improved you know he's won he won the ultimate fighter he's he's a you know a very impressive undefeated fighter he's making uh, very imp uh, very impressive uh, leaps in every single one of his fights he's really active he had four fights in 2018 and um, you know he's just getting started as a pro so he um, Brad Katona could come out here and surprise us all and put on a great performance against Devalishvili but I just don't think he will be able to um, stop the takedowns of Devalishvili I think that Mara Devalishvili wins this fight via decision uh, two rounds to one I think uh, Katona will have a little bit of success maybe in rounds two but uh, Devalishvili's cardio and pressure will just take over late Next fight is in the featherweight division. We have Cub Swanson, who is 25 and 10, taking on Shane Burgos, who is 11 and 1. The opening betting line for this one was Cub Swanson, the minus 175 favorite, to Shane Burgos, the plus 135 underdog. Right now, we are seeing the line flip over on five dimes. We have Shane Burgos minus 160 to Cub Swanson at plus 140. So very shocking that Shane Burgos opened as an underdog in this one. I actually uh, bet his line pretty early in this one at plus money. I was shocked that he was plus money versus Cub Swanson. You know, Cub Swanson has lost his past three fights in a row. Um, he has looked, you know, uh, like a shell of, of his former self. He's not totally done yet, um, but, you know, five of his six 
losses, uh, most recent losses have come by the way of submission. And he's fighting a very dangerous submission artist in Shane Burgos here. Uh, you know, Burgos is, I think, just the, the better well-rounded martial artist at this point in his career. He's got very solid uh, stand-up. He's got a, a nice jab, a good uh, front push kick. He was hitting some nice leg kicks on Kurt Hollebach in his last fight. But his uh, his defense is not the best. He keeps his hands very low. He relies on head movement. But sometimes he gets a little lackadaisical with it, you know, where he's, you know, he's trying to use all head movement. But he just... He doesn't give his opponents the respect they deserve, and he gets caught with some punches, and that's exactly what happened with Kurt Hollibaugh. Kurt Hollibaugh hit him with a three or four punch combo in you know the first 90 seconds of their fight that dropped uh, Shane Burgos. You know it didn't it didn't look like it. It wasn't a one punch you know knockdown. So I'm not gonna say Burgos is chinny or he has a bad chin. <clears throat> I just think his defense uh, could be a little bit better. So even though he got dropped by that three or four punch combo, within five seconds, Sh Shane Burgos threw up an arm bar, and 10 seconds later, he tapped Kurt Hollebach out with that arm bar. So just a wicked arm bar off of his back from Shane Burgos after he was, you know, looked like he was hurt pretty bad with the combination from from Hollebach in that one. And Hollebach hits a lot harder than Cub Swanson does. Cub Swanson still, you know, throws uh, throws bombs. He's had his boxing is very solid. He's got good fundamentals. Um, Swanson's got a good calf kick. Um, like I said, he just doesn't look he just doesn't look like himself anymore. He doesn't look very powerful. He doesn't look very quick. He started that Moise Kano fight very slow and you know, was dropped by that jab. He was, you know, hurt for a while in that fight and eventually got rear naked choked in that fight. Uh, you know, he did look uh, pretty solid against Frankie Edgar. Uh, he defended most of uh, Frankie Edgar's takedowns, but he just wasn't active enough with his offense. You know, he was he was solid defensively. He wasn't getting hit with much, and he was defending the takedowns, but he just didn't throw enough offense back to win that decision. And Frankie easily outpointed him to a decision in that one. So... If this fight stays on the feet, I think Shane Burgos will be throwing the harder punches. I think he has a chance at testing that chin of Cub Swanson and, and you know, possibly knocking him out, possibly, you know, knocking him down and going for a submission on the floor. If, you know, Shane Burgos chooses to keep this fight standing uh, the entire fight, I think that um, Cub Swanson could be competitive, you know. Shane Burgos had his had his share of struggles versus uh, Calvin Cater in their fight. He struggled with Calvin Cater's jab, his pressure. You know, he did make some adjustments in that fight. He started, you know, uh, slipping the jab of Cater. He started punching Cater's body a little more. He did win the second round of that fight after losing the first. But in the third round, he was, uh, he was just caught with a couple of stiff punches from Cater. And he was knocked out for the first loss of his career in that one. So... If this fight is contested strictly on the feet, you know, Cub Swanson has a chance to win this. He he still has very good boxing. He still throws uh, punches with some real power behind him. And he could, uh, you know, possibly uh, win this fight uh, via a close striking battle. But I just, I just side with the more... Uh, younger, the more aggressive fighter, the guy who throws with a little more power, a little quicker fighter at this stage in his career. He's got the better ground game for sure. Uh, I'm just going to pick uh, Shane Burgos to win this fight in this one. You know, where the line is at now, it is a little bit uh, tough to trust Burgos because he, he uh, you know, has, has I'd say he's kind of underperformed in the UFC so far. That loss to Cater, he got dropped by Hollabog. He was struggling versus Charles Rosa. So he's, uh, he's definitely not lived up to um, all the expectations, but I still think that this is a very winnable fight for him, and I think that Burgos will win this fight via submission in the second or third round.
The co-main event of the evening is taking place in the middleweight division. We have Derek Brunson, who is 18 and 7, taking on Elias Theodoro, who is 16 and 2. The opening betting line for this one was a pick'em at minus 120 for both fighters. And right now, over on five dimes, we are seeing a pick'em at minus 110 for both fighters. <clears throat> I'd say pick'em across every single sports book in this one. So just a dead even fight across everyone's minds and i can see why you know it's uh these guys are you know pretty much polar opposites of one another while uh theodoro uh do doesn't really look for a finish much he's looking to you know uh have good footwork move in and out constantly moving he's got that unorthodox style he throws a lot of feints and feeling strikes he throws a lot of kicks out um you know He's just a very weird, unorthodox type of fighter, but it works, you know. He's got good cardio. He's got a good chin. He's never been finished. Um, you know, he, he can hit uh, offensive takedowns of his own. He can take a punch. You know, there's a lot to like about Elias Theodoro. He's got a very fun personality, you know, being a, a ring card guy for MMA promotion for MMA promotions. He he's definitely uh, you know uh, a, a UFC staple at this point. But you know, so is Derek Brunson. Uh, Derek Brunson struggled a little bit lately. Um, you know, he that setback to uh, uh, Jacques Array got knocked out in that fight. Got knocked out by Israel Adesanya in his last fight. So uh, rough 2018 for Derek Brunson. Uh, he's a very fast starter, man. Unlike Theodoro, he, he wants to go balls to the wall. He wants to knock you out in the first round, and it shows, man. He His footwork is bad. He gets wild. He's He leaves his chin out there to, to, on a silver platter. Um, you know, he's got a great wrestling pedigree, Derek Brunson does, but he doesn't use it. He very rarely hits a takedown. He he doesn't, when he tries to shoot for a takedown, he doesn't set it up right. It's very, you know, it, it's coming from far away. You know, Israel Adesanya saw those shots coming from a mile away. He easily uh, defended those t uh, takedowns. He was drilling them with knees to the gut, and he eventually finished him with head kicks in that fight. So, um, you know, Brunson just never really uh, adapted his uh, wrestling game effectively for MMA, and he kind of fell in love with his hands a little bit after scoring a couple of uh, early round or early knockouts. And he's just, you know, kind of abandoned uh, most of his technique in his fights lately and just gone balls to the wall, which has, you know, not really been too good for him. Um, but that's that's fight facing you know uh, a very powerful striker, powerful uh, counter strikers like Jacare and Israel Adesanya. Uh, you know he's not fighting a, a, a counter or a power striker at all in this one. Theodoro, Theodoro, you know hasn't knocked out anything. Can't finish a can't finish a sandwich. Um, but you know that doesn't mean that Theodore can't win this fight. Theodore can easily withstand that early swarm of Brunson and then uh, you know outpoint him in rounds two and three for a decision. Uh, but you know, I, I favor I favor Brunson to get the knockout early in this one. You know, I think the Theodoro is just a little too um, lazy defensively. He he engages in the clinches recklessly. He doesn't react to punches very well. He throws out a lot of you know those those feeler kicks, those 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 feints and those kicks where he's not really intending on hitting you. Those are lazy strikes sometimes, and if you know your opponent times them right and, and throws a nice counter, man, he could definitely floor Theodoro. And, you know, Eric Anders had Theodore really badly hurt in round two but couldn't finish him. You know, he dropped him with a couple right hands. He had him on wobbly legs with those left hands. And I think that, uh, you know, Eric Anders is nowhere near the striker that Derek Brunson is. 
Um, he's actually a pretty poor striker. So the fact that Anders was able to, to te test that chin of Theodoro makes me think that Brunson will, will be able to do the same thing. And even though Theodoro has never been finished, even though he's fought in the likes of guys like Thiago Santos, uh, I think that Brunson will be the first one to finish him here. I think that Brunson gets back in the win column. He blitzes him early, and he uh, you know catches you know Theodoro with that 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 bad head movement where he kind of flinches up and he kind of looks he kind of desperately grabs that clinch. I think that Brunson will will hit him with a short uh, you know. Uh, counter punch and uh, you know knock down Theodoro and, and uh, eventually get him out of there in the first round but if this fight goes past the third round I definitely favor Theodoro to get it done by decision so I'm gonna pick uh, you know probably bet this one Brunson round one and then look to live bet Theodoro um, in round after round one or you know um, maybe bet Theodoro by decision pre-fight so I'm gonna pick Brunson to win by knockout in first round and in the main event of the evening in the lightweight division, we have Al Iaquinta, who is 14-4-1, taking on Donald Cerrone, who is 35-11. The opening betting line for this one was Al Iaquinta, the slight favorite at minus 135, to Donald Cerrone as a slight underdog at minus 105. Right now, over on our affiliated sportsbook, 5dimes.eu, we see... Ally Quinza, the slight favorite at minus 115, so to Donald Cerrone, at minus 105 so almost to pick him in this one and i really see why man this is a really close type of fight uh and you know i think that both guys have path to victory in this one now you know uh, i'm a, a huge fan of both of these guys you know both of them have you know great personalities incredible fighting skills and you know both of them are coming off of uh, very impressive victories ally quinta is bouncing back from that that uh that short notice uh title fight loss to khabib and he came back and he, he defeated kevin lee in his last fight now you know, not a flawless performance from Ally Quinta in that one, but I think that he uh, he was in control of that fight from from the jump. You know, he was uh, you know going for those takedowns early, going for takedowns early, faking that single leg, and then he uh, throwing a spinning back fist, and he he hurt Lee early in that fight. You know, he was uh, he started off the 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 first round fast, landing some heavy shots, and you know made Lee uncomfortable from the jump. Now he did get uh, taken down uh, with a body lock and get his back taken in rounds two and three of that fight. But you know he defended just like he did back in you know 2012 or whenever they first fought. You know Ally Quinta's rear naked choke defense is great. His gra his defensive grappling is great. You know it showed against Khabib Nurmagomedov. He uh, Khabib was not able to do the normal amount of ground and pound damage that he is to most of his opponents or his Al because Al has a great wrestling base. Um, and you know his striking is really good too, man. His accuracy with his punches is is great. He was you know he was just cleanly out striking Kevin Lee in that fight. Rounds one, uh, four, and five I think were pretty clear rounds for Ally Quinza in that one. I think you know Ally Quinza almost won the second round. You know even though Kevin Lee did have his uh, get the takedown, get, did uh, get the body triangle and was looking for that rear naked choke. Ally Quinta escaped that body triangle and was getting up and was landing the harder punches in the second half of that round. So that was a round I honestly think you could have given to Ally Quinta because, you know, Lee did not really have much success with that body lock and actually probably did uh, more uh, negative for himself than positive. And, you know, Ally Quinta, you know, not just a boxer, though, too. You know, he's got, uh, you know, a good body kick. He, he can even throw a nice head kick. He hit Kevin Lee with some solid head kicks in that fight. 
Um, but, you know, he is, with that boxing stance, he can be leg kicked. He can, you know, plot forward a little bit. He can be a little bit predictable. And that's not going to be a good thing against Dallin Cowboy Cerrone because Cowboy Cerrone is going to be the much uh, more diverse striker in this matchup. And I think he just has more tools on the feet. Cerrone's got, you know... Um, great boxing of his own he's got incredible kicks he's i think will be the much better kicker in this fight he's got a wicked fast body kick he sneaks those head kicks up there i think better than anybody in the ufc i think cerrone's probably got the best head kicks uh you know maybe in ufc history he can uh when you when you're kicking him he can catch your kick and then he can hit a takedown on you he did that um versus robbie lawler he did that versus um i believe leon edwards and he uh, he definitely did that versus uh alexander hernandez in his last fight uh you know he he defeated mike perry at 170 uh earlier in the year uh, I think it was in November, around six or seven months ago, and then he decided to drop back down to lightweight. You know, a lot of move people were questioning. They're like, "Oh shit, Cerrone had was looking better at, at uh, 170. Should he really go back down to 155? You know, he was killing himself to get to 155, and he, his chin has looked a lot better at 170. His his uh, you know, he's been able to take a better body shot at 170, and he's fighting you know a young beast, a pressure fighter, you know, which is typically his weakness. Uh, you know, a guy with solid boxing, Alex Hernandez. Alex Hernandez came into that fight a, a two to one favorite, and Donald Cerrone put a beating on Alex Hernandez in that fight. Man, he was he was countering Alex Hernandez pressure with those knees to the body. He got hit with a couple punches early, but Cerrone's chin looked good. He looked like he was reacting to shots a lot better than he was a couple years ago at 155. He was, and then he got in that flow state, man. And once Cerrone's in that flow state, man, he's hard to beat, man. His striking is gets, you know, so creative, so diverse. He starts, you know, hitting you with those knees, the head kicks, his punches were on point. He was just, you know, he couldn't miss in round two versus Alex Hernandez, and he eventually got the head kick uh, that dropped Hernandez and then finished him off with some ground and pound. What an incredible performance from Donald Cerrone, you know, dropping back down to lightweight as the underdog versus the, you know, the young guy who was coming up in the division, was 2-0 in the UFC, just ran through Darius, just beat OAM convincingly, uh, was coming in there with a lot, a lot of hype behind him, and Donald Cerrone just shut that shit down. So, you know, you can never count Cerrone out. He's still, um, you know, I honestly consider him one of the best fighters in UFC history, and not, not he's not the greatest fighter in UFC history. I'm not saying that at all i you know in terms of you know success in his career overall skill you know i don't think he's really in like the top five but when you're talking about the best fighters that embody the ufc that embody mma that are just the you know some of the most skilled toughest sons of bitches that ever stepped foot in the cage donald cerrone has got to be on your list man and no disrespect to ally quinta too ally quinta is a warrior he's you know a hell of a fighter but you know you know Ally Quinta has struggled with activity lately. He's struggled with the UFC. He's been very vocal with his, you know, uh, you know, uh, disagreements with the UFC. And you know, even though he's been in the UFC since 2012, he's not had nearly the amount of experience that uh, that uh, Donald Cerrone has. He lost in the Ultimate Fighter to Michael Chiesa, and you know, he's had a very, very impressive uh, victory uh, record since then, with nine wins, two losses. 
But Donald Cerrone is 22-8 and eight in the UFC. He This will be his 31st fight in the UFC alone. He's got over 40 fights in Zufa. I think he's got the most wins in UFC history. He's got, he's one of the most active fighters on the roster. He's got incredible striking, incredible jiu-jitsu, good wrestling, you know, a, a likable personality, you know. If Donald Cerrone isn't one of your favorite fighters, man, you're just not a fan of MMA in my opinion. But... With that being said, man, this matchup is close, man. It's real close. I think that uh, Ally Quinta will be the better boxer in this one, but in terms of overall striking, I got to give the edge to Cerrone. Uh, I think that, that Al's best chance is to start fast, man. Cerrone does not like when you start fast. He, uh, you know, most I'd say most of his UFC losses are by first round knockout, right? I think Till knocked him out in the first round. You know, Miles Duval dropped him in the first round and then knocked him out in the second round. I think uh, uh, Dos Anjos knocked him out in the first round. Uh, let's see, anybody else has first round finishes? Um, no, that, that that's all for uh, that's all for. Uh, oh yeah, Anthony Pettis finished him in the first round. You know so. Without a doubt, um, Cerrone is is vulnerable in the first round. You know, uh, so if Ally Quinta comes out, starts fast, blitzes him, and tries to test that chin of Cerrone, make him uncomfortable, I think that that's where Ally Quinta has the best chance of winning this fight. But as the fight goes on, as Cerrone gets to settle in, he gets his timing down, he gets more comfortable, he gets in that flow state where he's timing those, you know, incredible combinations and using his diverse striking attack, man, I favor Donald Cerrone. Cerrone, uh, you know, even though Ally Quinta's cardio looked great, man, his cardio, his pressure, his activity, up until the final bell of that fight, man, he was kicking Kevin Lee's ass in round five of that fight, you know, landing heavy punches, walking him down. Uh, you know, I Quinton looked great in round five, but Cerrone also has great five-round cardio. He went five hard rounds with Leon Edwards. He actually won rounds four and five of that fight with Leon Edwards after losing the early rounds in that one. So that just goes to show that he gets more comfortable and gets better as the fight goes on. So the 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 betting strategy for this one i think would be to bet i quinta in round one and then you know if cerrone is still standing after round one or still standing after you know that early onslaught of punches from uh, i quinta then then look to live at cerrone uh in the middle of round one or after round one and you know hope he takes over the fight late he could score a late tko if the strikes accumulate like he did versus Hernandez, or he could win a decision, you know, four rounds to one, three rounds to two, but I'm really expecting a close type of fight in this one. It's going to be a great matchup, and that's why the odds are so close. Uh, you know, in, in terms of money lines, I think it would be a pass on either side. Maybe if you got Cerrone at plus money, plus 120, 130 earlier in the week, I'd say that would be a good bet, but uh, bet, betting either of these guys as a favorite is, you know, is, is risky. I think both of these guys, like I said, have path of victory. Both of them can lose this fight easily, uh, and it's just going to be a really great fight. But I slightly side with Donald Cerrone in this one. I think that, um, you know, they both have great wrestling. I think Cerrone's got the better jujitsu of the two. I think Cerrone's got the more diverse attack on the feed. He's got more five round experience. He's got more, you know, just more activity lately. And um, I think that uh, Donald Cerrone will win this fight. It, but it's going to be a close one. I expect a 48-48-48-47 decision for Donald Cerrone in this fight. So that is going to do it for the UFC Ottawa card. We got 12 fights going down this Saturday night in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. 
uh, from the Canadian Tire Center. Uh, you know, 5 p.m. is when the prelims kick off, and the main card starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Nice and early card for this one. So, with that being said, we are just going to quickly recap the UFC Sunrise that went down this past weekend, um, and then we will that will be all for the podcast in this one. So, I'm just pulling up this card real quick. So we had starting things off, uh, Diego Lima, you know, looking real crisp with his striking, outstriking uh, Court McGee to a uh, decision in this one. Court McGee came on strong in this one. He ended up dropping Lima in the third round, but McGee looked slow in that one. He, his takedowns did not look good, and uh, Lima looked much improved. Angela Hill, you know, won a unanimous decision over Jody Escobar. You know, just a, an a dominant striking performance like Hill, uh, like we all expected in that one. Jim Miller getting the rear naked choke over Jason Gonzalez in this one. Just, you know, great performance from Miller getting that takedown and getting that choke in front of his family and his kids. You know, getting that $180,000 payday uh, plus the $50,000 bonus. So that, that goes, that's $230. Or $230,000 for that rear naked choke for Jim Miller. Uh, Gilbert Burns got the rear naked choke over Mike Davis in that one. Carla Esparza and uh, Virna Jandradoba had a real competitive grappling type of fight. But Carla Esparza, man, is continuing to improve, continuing to get better, even in the late stages of her career. You know, beating these impressive grapplers. You know, Gedalia, you know, even though she lost that fight, uh, she looked really good in that one. Uh, you know, Calvillo, uh, she she won that fight, and now Jandra Doba, uh, Esparza picking up the victory in that one. Uh, Augusto Sakai won a decision robbery over Andre Arlovski. I had Andre Arlovski winning this fight like three rounds to nothing, maybe two rounds to one for Arlovski, but just inexcusable for the judges to give that fight to Sakai, uh, a clear robbery in that one. Takeshi Sato withstood the early storm from Saunders. Saunders won round one, but was eventually finished in round two of this fight. Roosevelt Roberts won a very comfortable and cautious decision over Thomas Gifford. Corey Sanhagen and John Lineker, what an epic fight this was. You know, really close type of fight. Um, you know, it just comes down to what what type of uh, a fighter do you think is more effective? The guy who's landing the more, you know, damaging single shots, or the guy who's landing the more consistent um, shots in this fight? And that you know, Corey Sanhagen was landing the more consistent output uh, at it. You know, n- not too many power shots in this one, while Linker was landing the 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 more seldom power shots in this one, digging to the body, digging those powerful left hooks that he loves. Real close fight, but I had Sanhagen winning this one, um, you know, with uh, the first two rounds going to Sanhagen. Um, Glover Teixeira getting the second round rear naked choke over Kutaleba. You know, Kutaleba, you know, was swarming him in round one like we all expected. He he dropped, he looked like he had Teixeira hurt pretty bad, but gl- good old Glover uh, withstood the early storm, got on top, and got the choke in round two. Pretty similar to the Carl Robeson fight, actually. Mike Perry looking like a brand new fighter out there, fighting to disciplined, unanimous decisions. You know, a very impressive victory from him in that one. Don't remember too much about this fight. I gotta rewatch it. Um, but uh, you know, next fight, Greg Hardy ran through his Smolikov in round one, like we all expected. Uh, terrible performance from Smolikov. And in the main event of the evening, like I predicted last week, man, I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't say why Jack Hermanson was gonna win this fight. I said all things on paper tell you that the jacare should win this fight he's a better grappler he his boxing has looked better he's you know had the five round experience he's fought the better competition but something was telling me the momentum of hermanson was going to 
uh, bring him to victory in this one. I was picking Hermanson by submission. Hermanson did get close in his patent arm and guillotine to Jacare, but Jacare defended, you know, very perfectly like he does um, to all submissions. But Hermanson, you know, just on the feet in this one was so impressive man his boxing looks so good his his pace his pressure his cardio in this one looked great you know he he came out to an early lead he hurt jacare in the first round almost choked him out in the first round one rounds two of this fight he dropped round three uh in this one he was looking pretty tired but he dug deep man and he runs one uh i think rounds four of this fight for sure and i think jacare might have came back in one round five in my opinion uh let me see if i scored it that way on the verdict app um yeah i had jacare winning rounds three and five in this one so competitive fight from jacare but he just didn't look there he uh he got stunned with that early combination early versus Hermanson, and he just wasn't really the same. He didn't have that same tenacity, that same power behind his punches, wasn't really looking for the takedown too much. And, you know, uh, Hermanson just put on an incredible performance. So, uh, you know, won a little bit on uh, Hermanson live betting in this one. You know, great opportunities for live betting in this entire card. You know, uh, Mike Perry was an underdog after round one. Uh, Glover Teixeira was an underdog after round one. Hermanson was an underdog a lot of times throughout this fight as a live dog. So, uh, you know, very good opportunities for live betting in this one. I recommend BetDSI or uh, FiveDimes.eu for all your uh, live betting needs. And now, that will do it for the program. We uh, we recapped just now the UFC Sunrise card that, that uh, went down last weekend. And we analyzed and predicted all 12 UFC fights going down this Saturday night in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. So this has been the 59th episode of Martian MMA. Hope you all enjoyed it. And I will see you before UFC 237 next week. Peace.